We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Lawyer Robert Costello will testify against Michael Cohen's credibility in the investigation of former President Donald Trump. Now, we are in completely uncharted territories uh, as a country. House Republicans investigate Hunter Biden and reveal payments from businesses linked to China. His family receiving payments directly from the Chinese Communist Party. UBS agrees to buy... Credit Suisse. I don't think it solves the problem for Europe. I think their problems are different than ours. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Monday, March 20th. I'm Mike Scott. On Saturday, former President Donald Trump took to his social media platform, Truth Social, and predicted that he will be arrested Tuesday for allegedly paying $130,000 in hush money to an adult film actress during the 2016 election to silence her about claims that she had an affair with him. Former president claiming in a social media post he will be arrested next week. This in connection with the years-long investigation into a hush money scheme involving adult film actress Stormy Daniels. This comes as news breaks that lawyer Robert Costello will be testifying in regards to the credibility of Trump's former fixer, Michael Cohen. Cohen has been a key witness in District Attorney Alvin Bragg's investigation, meeting regularly with prosecutors. Cohen has also served prison time after pleading guilty in 2018 to federal charges, including campaign finance violations and for arranging the payouts to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. Costello had advised Cohen before the two had a falling out and is prepared to offer testimony to the grand jury attacking the credibility of any of Cohen's statements. According to reports, Costello contacted lawyers saying he had information that contradicted Cohen's current statements and that could be exculpatory for Donald Trump. Jesse Weber is host on the Law and Crime Network and explains what may occur should former President Trump be indicted. I don't want anybody to expect that there's going to be a raid at Mar-a-Lago and he's going to be handcuffed and moved across and you know, put on a plane. That's not really what's going to happen in these types of cases. These are white-collar offenses. They're nonviolent uh, offenses that were uh, presumably are going to be listed here. And he's also the former president. So there's going to be some negotiation on the part of how do we actually get him to uh, downtown court. Uh, he's going to possibly surrender himself. And there he will be booked. There will be actually a sh- uh, mugshot taken. I'm sure that will be obviously plastered and go throughout the media. And of course, he's going to have his arraignment where the charges will be read. 
And then ultimately questions of bond will be issued and things like that. Um, and, and really, I think it's important to know that in terms of the indictment, typically what we see is the unsealing of that indictment when the arraignment happens. Now, it's possible, given the circumstances of this case, that perhaps the DA worked with the judge and asked the court to release and unseal this indictment beforehand so the public has an interest in seeing what happened. Uh, I am interested in seeing if there's going to be any limitations put forward on the president in terms of travel. So one of the issues that we keep talking about is, you know, he's not going to uh, obviously stop the campaign. Weber weighs in with his thoughts on the DA's case and feels that there's not much there. I would say this is a weak case. I'm saying that from a legal prism, not in political. There's a few reasons. One, it's an older case, obviously, with older cases, witnesses, there can be problems with the witnesses and evidence. Number two, Michael Cohen, who is such a central figure in this case, is a problematic witness. This is somebody who pled guilty to ultimately lying to Congress, so his credibility comes into question. And the most important reason is the charges. So yeah. when I say this, I want to be very clear here. I am just talking about the hush money payments. Is it possible that there could be other charges in the indictment that we're not even thinking of? Possibly, but just the hush money payment. Number one, if this is falsifying business records, which is a misdemeanor, it becomes a question of, well, is it really? He classified it as legal expenses. Could it be argued that he thought it was legal expenses? I think there's an argument to be made there. But the bigger issue is whether or not this gets upgraded to a felony. The idea is that you falsify business records to cover up another crime. Weber goes on to say that he's not entirely sure the New York DA has any jurisdiction in the case. Is it a violation of state election fraud? Which, which, by the way, I have to tell you, this was the federal election for the presidency. Do those state election laws apply? And if it is federal election violations, this is a state prosecutor. Does he have the jurisdiction to ultimately file charges with respect to federal campaign violations? Right. Honestly, we're not entirely sure. And we're not entirely sure if a judge is going to you know, obviously down or maybe downgrade this back to a misdemeanor. We're kind of in unprecedented land right now. We have to wait and see what the indictment ultimately says, says and what their theory of the case is. Leland Vittert of News Nation believes that as strange as it may sound, the indictment may actually help the former president. Now, we are in completely uncharted territories uh, as a country. Uh, this very well might be the best thing that could possibly happen to Donald Trump right now. And I say that because just talking to people who are even very, very Trump skeptical or even anti-Trump Republicans are suddenly rallying around because they are more angry uh, at this complete lack of disregard for uh, the feeling of everyone should be treated equal. Why do I say that? Because uh, everyone will point out no one else has ever been charged with this kind of accounting uh, shenanigans, which at the very worst, that's what this is. Uh, it's going to be very difficult uh, to convince even moderate Americans that somehow this is that every American would be prosecuted under this. I go back to what Alan Dershowitz said last night on Chris Cuomo's show, uh, that there is no one above the law. But there, there is no one below the law, and that's going to be an awfully difficult bar uh, in the court of public opinion to meet uh, to prevent a real groundswell of support uh, around Donald Trump, even by people who don't necessarily like him. Vittard lays out that there may have been times when the media has pronounced Trump's downfall only to be proven wrong. Every time Donald Trump is given someone or something to fight against, 
uh, his poll numbers go up. It happened during the 2016 election. Uh, it happened uh, with the Russia collusion investigation. Uh, it happened after the Mar-a-Lago raid and, and everything in between when the, the world says this is the moment we're going to get Donald Trump is typically when Donald Trump supporters and then even Trump agnostic Republicans and moderates tend to rally around him. The International Criminal Court has issued an arrest warrant for Russian President Vladimir Putin for war crimes, saying he was personally responsible for the abduction of children from Ukraine. Daybreak Insider's Karen Chalmers has details on this latest story. Ukrainian child Anastasia Motichak told British broadcaster Sky News about her experiences. She explained how she was taken from Kherson in October in one of a convoy of 100 buses. She said many children would ask when they were going home. Motichak explained their response was scornful. They said to us, we are feeding you, we give you water and we give you heating and comfort and you're so ungrateful. Save Ukraine spokesperson Olga Yerohina believes the abductions were not a spontaneous decision by the Kremlin. It was prepared long before this. Putin's ICC arrest warrant is the first of its kind against the leader of one of the five permanent members of the UN Security Council. I'm Karen Chamas. According to House Republicans investigating Hunter Biden, the president's relatives received about $1.3 million from businesses that have links to China. Blockbuster new details of suspicious bank transactions involving the Biden family and communist China. On Thursday, House Oversight Committee Chairman Kentucky Congressman James Comer revealed that in March of 2017, a firm affiliated with CEFC China Energy transferred $3 million to an entity associated with the Biden family partner, Rob Walker. Then in the following three months, more than $1 million of that money was distributed to members of the Biden family in small increments, including to Hunter Biden, the president's brother, James Biden, and his daughter-in-law, Hallie Biden, all receiving payouts. Ian Sams, the spokesperson for the White House, dismissed the reports as, quote, bizarre, end quote, and said that the investigation was politically motivated. However, Republican Congressman James Comer of Kentucky released figures from banking records from 2015 to 2017, showing the payouts to President Biden's relatives from a period when he was vice president until just after he left the Obama administration. Comer believes that the evidence that his committee has uncovered shows the Justice Department has a political bias. The Biden family, the president in particular, hasn't been truthful uh, with respect to his family receiving payments directly from the Chinese Communist Party. So it almost looks like it's a, an effort to detract but at the very least, it's another example of two-tier system of justice. Look, we've been looking into these uh, classified documents. We saw the, the FBI raided Mar Largo for, for one set of supposedly mishandled classified documents, but yet Joe Biden's had at least five different locations of mishandled classified documents, and they give him days and days to go in and clean up with his attorney. So this looks to me like it's another example of a two-tier system of justice at the DOJ. The Kentucky congressman explains why the new information they've uncovered show, in his opinion, that President Biden lied about his knowledge of his family's business dealings 
in China. This is one deal. We think there are as many as 11 more deals. Uh, now, we don't know what those deals are. Uh, what the Bidens, you know, it, in the beginning, the White House denied having any uh, knowledge or the fact that their family was involved in any sort of way, shape or form with the CCP. But now we have bank records that reveal otherwise. Uh, we don't know what the Bidens did in return for this money. Uh, the lawyer said that it was seed capital for a business. We haven't been able to find a business, Maria. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity to ask people about that, that were closely aligned with the Biden family. We've talked to them privately. I'm not going to reveal what they say privately, but uh, very soon they'll either be uh, talking to everyone in the form of a deposition or even better in a, in a committee hearing. Comer explains some of the information that his committee has unearthed. When the president was vice president in the Obama administration. He made several trips to China. Uh, he uh, brought his son and, and uh, some of these associates with him. They met in different places with some of these people that the president claimed he never met with. So we know the president hasn't been truthful about his involvement when he was vice president. But from talking to former associates that were involved with Hunter Biden, uh, what we know the Biden family had agreed to help China do was get their foot in the door on the American energy industry, not just purchase liquefied natural gas, but also purchase interest in drillers for natural gas, as well as try to do things like help China buy farmland. Remember, uh, this is something that every American's outraged over. There's bipartisan support in Congress to try to block China from coming in and taking over various interests uh, of our American economy. Congressman Comer also believes that the Biden family helped the Chinese by American farmland. And now we learn that the Biden family was directly involved with helping China navigate the federal bureaucracy and the sanctions involved with the U.S. government. So this is very concerning, and this is why we're going to continue this investigation of Joe Biden. And remember, it's an investigation of Joe Biden. Comer hopes to uncover whether some of the White House's decisions are influenced by the money the Biden family has received from the Chinese Communist Party. It sure seems that Joe Biden makes strange decisions that oftentimes put America last and China first. And we want to know if he's compromised because of the millions and millions of dollars that his family has taken from China. And we're going to continue with this investigation. And I think over the last two weeks, we've already uh, presented a lot of evidence as to why this investigation is of the utmost importance. Some participating states are opting against making any changes to the embattled voter roll system pushed by some Republicans and conservatives. Daybreak Insider's Norman Hall has more on the voting controversy. Election officials from states enrolled in a bipartisan effort to ensure accurate voter lists have decided against making changes to the rules that have been pushed by some Republicans. The Electronic Registration Information Center, known as ERIC, has a record of combating voter fraud by identifying those who have died or moved between states. Yet it has also drawn suspicion from conservatives after a series of online stories and conspiracy theories last year questioning its funding and purpose. Representatives from the group's member states met remotely for about three hours on Friday to discuss the changes promoted by Republicans, but rejected them. I'm Norman Hall. UBS, Switzerland's biggest bank, has agreed to buy the much smaller Credit Suisse 
in an emergency deal aimed at calming the waters in the banking system. Swiss President Elaine Berset explains why the UBS takeover was needed. On Friday, the liquidity outflows and market volatility showed that it was no longer possible to restore the necessary confidence and that a swift and stabilizing solution was absolutely necessary. This solution is the takeover of Credit Suisse by UBS. It is supported by the Federal Council following several meetings with the Swiss National Bank, with our regulator, the FINMA, with Credit Suisse and UBS. The Federal Council welcomes this takeover and is supporting it by guaranteeing the framework conditions necessary for its success. The Federal Council is therefore confident that in this difficult situation, the takeover of credits by UBS is the best solution for restoring the confidence that has been lacking in financial markets recently and for best managing the risk to our country and its citizens. UBS is paying $3.25 billion for Credit Suisse, about 60% less than the bank was worth after the markets closed on Friday. Confidence in Credit Suisse imploded last week after the bank said it had material weaknesses in its bookkeeping when the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank of New York led to fears about weakening banking institutions around the world. The Swiss National Bank said it would provide a loan of $108 billion to UBS and Credit Suisse to boost liquidity. Peter Cheer is head of macro strategy at Academy Securities, and he believes that the purchase of Credit Suisse will not help Europe's banking problems. I, I think the fear everyone is going to have is if we get a look behind the balance sheets and really what's in there, are the losses more concerning? And in all these things, right, we all know what it costs to sell a treasury or sell a mortgage bond, right? There's a bid out there. But if 10 banks are all selling that same bond, the bid will be lower. If 30 banks are all getting four. So that is why I think we've got to stop this deposit flight because it creates f- effectively forced sellers and price doesn't become the object then. So, yes, I think that is the risk. And that's why... I'm not in love with what happened in Switzerland today. I don't think it solves the problem for Europe. I think their problems are different than ours. Here, I think a deposit guarantee would really solve this issue for us, or at least put it on hold. But that's going to be the scrutiny that the bank balance sheets are getting is going to be intense, and it's intensifying. And more and more people want to know, what do you have, not just in terms of the details of your maturity, the types of assets, but even where are your deposits? Where's your cash sitting? That's a new thing. Looking at bank deposit guarantees here in the U.S., University of San Diego professor Dan Ricotto says that while it may be an idea many banks are starting to look into, make no mistake, the cost of deposit guarantees will be passed along to consumers. Listen, at the end of the day, that cost is going to be paid by the customers. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I think there is some merit in having that discussion about what is the right limit? How do we, you know, maybe now's the time to tweak that a bit. Because what we see now is basically a lack of confidence. And confidence is the glue, as you know, that holds this system together. So at the end of the day, we need to rebuild that confidence so that you and I and 330 million others feel good about putting our money in the bank rather than burying it in a hole in the backyard. Looking ahead, Ricardo believes that the Fed will once again raise rates this week in an effort to try and curb ongoing inflation. 
I think they will raise rates a quarter point. That's my guess. Um, and listen, the ironic thing here, Blake, and it's kind of kind of interesting when you think about it, is the Fed for the last year has tried to slow the economy and really push us into a recession with raising interest rates over the last year. They haven't been able yeah, to do it. it. Right. But the crisis that started last week, that might just do it. A more powerful version of ChatGPT is released. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has more on this story that may impact the jobs of some Americans. Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, the company behind the creation of ChatGPT, tells ABC News that he is a little bit scared of his company's creation. And he admitted that the artificial intelligence technology is going to eliminate a lot of current jobs. The ABC interview Thursday followed OpenAI's Tuesday release of a new, more powerful version of the AI tech, ChatGPT4, which has the ability to understand images. It can also solve puzzles and describe the meaning of Internet memes. The 37-year-old CEO noted that he is concerned about the technology falling into the wrong hands, including authoritarian governments. Tasha Stevens reporting. Mysterious streaks of light seen in the sky over California Friday night was apparently just space junk, according to Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker. Amazed people in the Sacramento area, like Jamie Hernandez. What is that? We're posting on social media about streaks of light in the sky and commenting that they had never seen anything like it. Jonathan McDowell, an astronomer at the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, says the streaks of light were from burning space debris, specifically old Japanese communications equipment that was jettisoned from the space station in 2020 because it was taking up too much room. He says it would burn up upon reentry, and that's what created the spectacular light show. The U.S. Space Force confirmed the reentry path over California. I'm Julie Walker. And finally... 103-year-old Jean Bailey seems to have found the fountain of youth. Her secret? Become a gym rat. Well, a reminder to all of us that age is nothing but a number. That's right. A lady in California and her dedication to fitness is certainly sending that message. Look at her go. And she looks so good. 103 years young, Teresa Moore visits her local fitness facility three to four times a week. This gym enthusiast not only works out often, but is all dolled up while at it with plenty of jewelry and a full face of makeup. Moore says that exercising gives her energy. However, her daughter believes her adventurous nature drives her to the gym every day. Teresa's other favorite hobbies are playing bridge and going to the opera. Four times a week, the Italian immigrant does everything from weightlifting to leg raises. Plus, she even teaches a fitness class, which she started to help keep fellow seniors active during COVID. Bailey's daughter says that her mom's adventurous spirit also keeps her ticking. I think mother's a very curious person. She's always searching for new things. I mean, she left Italy and lived this really vagabond lifestyle. So I think curiosity was also a big motivating factor. As for Bailey herself, she says the best medicine is to try and find happiness every day. Try to be happy. Try to think all the good things. Bailey's fitness classes usually have around a dozen participants, all of whom say they feel welcome by her positive attitude. 
Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. 